What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside co-host Jack Manis and Andrew Schreffler. Welcome to week 10, folks, of the NFL season. We are flying along, and the Eagles lost a heartbreaker, I guess you could say. They were kind of in it most of the game. We'll hear Shreff's thoughts in a second here, but how are you guys doing tonight? You live. You chilling? Oh, God. Not this again. You guys are... <laughs> Trev, we live, Mitch. We live. What's that? Don't worry about it. Can you guys hear the sirens? Um, I just... I faintly. Okay. I recently moved to Philadelphia, folks, so yeah. if you hear any suspicious noises, just know it's the city of brotherly love outside of my digs. window. The new digs. So um all right so today's show we're gonna keep it on the shorter side jack has somewhere to be so we're gonna um only have a couple segments here today but of course as always equals rant of the week to, to kick off the show and in the middle segment we'll be doing a dynasty rookie redrafts uh through nine weeks of the season and i'm sure you know those of you in dynasty rookie drafts have some regrets some of you are um, happy with your selections, others not, but we will be redrafting the first round, picks one through 12, and um, kind of giving our thoughts on the rookies in the fantasy-relevant players thus far in the 2021 season. And of course, we'll be concluding with lock of the week. I have tons of statistics ready to go, so I am uh, I am set. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, and we'll give a quick update on where we stand. Um, this is our seventh week doing it because we started in week three so we are um seven weeks into this thing so and if you if hoglin nation if you don't remember the loser will be doing some sort of punishment that has not been decided yet um probably by the listeners so we we can start taking some uh suggestions as we're only about six or seven weeks away from that so you know feel free to always we're open to suggestions for this punishment so and right now it's a close race so it could be anyone all right, Shreff, has your tone changed? What is your oh. adjective of the week for the Philadelphia Eagles? The floor is now yours. Yeah, this isn't really an adjective. This is more of a, um, I don't know what I'd call this. Uh, I just have eh. I have eh. 
Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I am going to preface this by saying that um, for like half the game, I was taking the fattest nap ever on Kevin's floor. So um, some of the notes I have are based off of me going back and watching the game at a later date. Um, you know, it was, it, you know, we had a long Saturday. Sunday was a little rough. Had to take a nap, happened to be right at that time. Hate to see it happens to the best of them. Um, but so from what I do have down, uh, first thing, run game finally came back to, I think, what everyone kind of hoped it was going to be looking like. Because, I mean, the la- these last couple of years, the Eagles have been known for their run game kind of being something that's kept them in games. Um, Jordan Howard, I guess, is is like back. Um, I don't really have any any words on that. I don't know if you guys do either, but he, I guess he's here now. Um, Boston Scott seems to be the number two at the moment. And then Kenneth Gainwell, who was one of the only rookies that have looked promising so far, they just decided to like not play him anymore. Um, so that's whatever, you know, seems like a good idea on their part to just not play him at all. Um, but he, he did have a touchdown, I guess, but that was on like one carry. So, you know, whatever. Um, besides that though, Devonte Smith, uh, is living up to where he was selected. Um, it can definitely be argued that the offense itself has probably, put his stats not as high as as where they should be at the moment but I think this past week was uh just kind of a further further proof that he is what everyone thought he was going to be so that's that was nice to see um Hertz much more effective as a runner this week um and I've talked about this on here before but I think that should be a theme that they should be continuing with I think it's pretty obvious at this point that he's not he's not going to wow you with his arm but the one thing he can do is he can run the ball well so get some more design runs going, let him run the ball. I think that's going to help the offense a lot. Um, defensive side of the ball, on the other hand, not, not eh, um, worse than eh. Um, first off, Justin Herbert goes 32 of 38. Um, and he also, I believe if I saw it correctly, had his lowest average depth of target. So the Eagles were doing what they normally do, which is keeping those deep shots from happening. But he was just so effective in like those like 10, 15 yard areas and just normal situation where they just let him walk down the field on him, every possession. It's whatever. Um, also eight total pressures from the Eagles defense um, pretty much unheard of for their team in recent memory. So pretty much overall offense is slowly building its way to what we want it to be. The defense is nowhere close, but at the end of the day, they're not a playoff team. So if they can just keep competitive games and walk away with losing, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think that's all I have. Absolutely absurd day for Keenan Allen. 13 targets, yeah. 12 catches, 104 yards. So, you know, that the, the low average depth of uh, attempt or target, uh, like you mentioned, really on display there with Keenan Allen. So yeah. um, certainly a game and kind of style of defense that, that Allen can really attack. And he really did take advantage of it there. Um, Stopped the run pretty well. I mean, Austin Eckler didn't do anything special in this game, but didn't really matter. The Chargers come out with the victory. Um, Eagles were in it, but just couldn't get it done at the end of the day. So, yeah, and 32 of 38, that's just – that's a common stat line for opposing quarterbacks. Facing Every week. The Eagles, so. Every week. It's absurd. It, it is It is very absurd. It's going to be interesting to see how Miles Sanders fits in. It's going to be an absolute mess for fantasy purposes. Oh, but... I mean, I, knowing knowing the Eagles these last couple of years, I already know Sanders is going to come back, and Jordan Howard's still going to be the lead back. Yeah, I uh, I try to claim Jordan Howard in uh, mm-hmm. some of my leagues, and my waiver was unsuccessful. So yeah, been a kind of a hot commodity in the yeah, he's in a little week, bit week ten waiver wise. Words 
words we never thought we'd say this year, but here we are. No, we're getting we're time traveling back to 2017. Le'Veon uh, Bell sitting out there. There's, there's, there's all these all these old cats. Exactly. Uh, one question I did have on the Eagles before we move on here. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, you know, currently as it stands today, if the, if the 2022 NFL draft were to happen now, the Eagles' picks would be number th- uh, three overall, uh, at courtesy of the Miami Dolphins, seven overall, uh, courtesy of their own pick, and then mm-hmm. 14th overall, um, courtesy of the Colts. Yep. So at three, seven, and 14, if you're the if you're Howie Roseman, Shreff, where where are you going with the Eagles? What positions are you looking to attack? Are you kind of just going best well, player available, or you know, I guess ignoring best player available, just basing your analysis on positional need? What what would you think is the most pressing issue right now for the Eagles to yeah. kind of go after in this next draft? I know there, there's going to be a lot of fans that are going to be clamoring for a quarterback. Um, I don't think this is the year to do that. Um, just because you have three picks up there doesn't mean that you waste one on, I mean, it's been pretty well documented this year. I, I don't know the only QB in this class that I would risk drafting that high would maybe be Matt Corral just because of how I think he translates to the NFL. Um, besides him, I don't really think at the moment that there's a quarterback worthy of going in the first round necessarily. Obviously QBs are going to go in the first round based off of need, but I think the Eagles have so many other holes in that, in their team that they, they cannot use one of those top 15 picks on a quarterback. They, they could use another wide receiver. They could use a couple different positions on the offensive line. They could use another edge rusher for sure. They could always use linebackers and they could always use secondary. So, I mean, there, I, I would argue that at the moment QB might not even be in like the top five of positions of need for them at the moment. I think uh, I'm, I've always been on this side where I, I think you have to build your team around the quarterback before you can bring in that, like you, you need to have established pieces on that team before you bring in a quarterback. Cause all that's going to happen is it, I mean, let's say that they do take QB with one of those three picks and then their other two picks are their normal draft picks where they just don't pan out as well. All of a sudden you're stuck with the same exact team with a QB that's going to get thrown into a fire with no one to help them out. So I, I'm very much on the side of draft the rest of your team first, give that whoever that QB is down the line, like a half decent chance to succeed. Sorry, I didn't realize I was muted there. Oh, you're uh, good. I agree with what, kind of what you said. It's it's an underwhelming quarterback class overall. Um, Corral kind of stands out as probably the top guy, but you know you saw Malik Wills play pretty bad this past week. He threw like three interceptions, I think. Um, so. You know, it's definitely a down year for quarterbacks, especially compared to the last yeah. three classes or we've seen with, yeah. you know, 2018 was the Lamar, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield year. If this uh, is last year or like the year before, like or any of these years before, my, my tone would be different. But there, there's not a single guy that like jumps off the pages like this guy has to go in the top 10. Exactly. Um, Jack, do you have any thoughts here on the Eagles? What, 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 what would you do? How do you fix this? Um, honestly, I agree with Shref. Um, I think I, you should keep Hertz. I mean, I, I don't personally don't think Hertz is a, the long-term answer, no. but you can use him as a bridge guy. And yeah, I mean, they got a lot of draft capital build off of that next year, the year after and build a somewhat competent team and then draft your quarterback and then 
that's when you make free agency signings when your quarterback's on a rookie deal and you already have supposed you're supposed to have good pieces built through the draft. Who knows what Howie Roseman's gonna be able to do? Um, so yeah, I mean that's what I would do. Draft, then draft my quarterback, and then sign guys, and then that's when you compete for Super Bowl. There you have it. We're all in agreement. It's pretty clear cut. Follow our lead. So yeah, I hope so. All right. So that is Eagles rant of the week and the Eagles talk of the week kind of there extended into the 2022 draft talk. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be doing a dynasty rookie redraft. Um, the order is going to go myself, Jack, and then Shrek. We're going to go alternate one, two, three, uh, and then, you know, repeat after that. That means I have the first pick here and um, I'm, I'm just going to go off of our uh, recent rookie draft from our, our mine and Jack's dynasty league. I know we, we had a recap episode back at right after it started and I'm sorry, right after it concluded in June. So I'm going to kind of use that for reference to kind of see how things have uh, progressed over the, the past. What is it? Five months or so since then. Yeah. Um, so the 101 in the in the you know offseason rookie draft was Najee Harris. Um certainly looking like a great pick so far. However, that's not what I think most people would think as the consensus 101, because at this point it has to be Jamar Chase. I mean, he is what he's like the third overall receiver right now in his Crazy. rookie season. Um, he's the clear-cut number one receiver. I mean, if you're doing a startup rookie draft at this point, sorry, startup regular dynasty draft, he could go first overall out of any player, not just the rookies. I mean, you could make that argument in a one-quarterback league, of course, non-superflex. So I think it's got to be Jamar Chase. He's looked fantastic. He, what does he have? I think we were talking about about a week or two ago, like eight touchdowns at this point, nine touchdowns. So yeah. It's something it, – it's not he, – he's been absurd this year. No other way to put it. It's been uh, – it, he's assuming health and he doesn't have a dramatic turn. He's going to have a better rookie season than Justin Jefferson. And people were saying that he – Jefferson had arguably the best rookie wide receiver season ever. So – and we, we see it potentially tops the following year with his former teammates. So, I mean, young quarterback too – that just bodes well for, you know, you think of some of these guys, like he was on like green Bay or something like that. How much longer is Aaron Rodgers going to be there? And you're kind of unclear of the future at his quarterback position, but he's tied to Joe Burrow for again, health permitting for the next 10, 12 years. And that's really a luxury to have. And it's just looking like a slam dunk. And I don't know how you can't go him uh, one-on-one. I mean, he's the short-term answer. I mean, he's going to, he would give you contract distributions right now and he's the long-term answer so i mean it's just it's got to be jamar chase it's 101 it's it's just, it, it's big play potential every single time he's out there like I, I feel like this year like at least once a game if you're watching like red zone or something all of a sudden they cut away and it's chase scrambling down the field like 50 yards for a touchdown it's it, it's the the consistency that he's been producing is has been absurd for a rookie receiver 44 catches, seven touchdowns. So he's caught yeah. a touchdown on what is that? 16% of his catches have been gone for touchdowns. So huge play guy. Um, but Jack, you're up at 102. 
Um, I think it's closer than you think, than you said, between 102 and 101. I mean, who you just mentioned, Najee, I think is the obvious 102. Um, he's everything that he was expected to be. I mean, if it was, it just removed Jamar Chase from the equation. Uh, I guess Mac Jones is there, but like, I feel like Najee should be offense rookie of the year. Um, if Chase isn't there at all. Um, I mean, he's got the, I'm going to read actually his, uh, his fantasy points, like just his game log. Uh, one second. So he went week one, he only had 5.4, then 16.6, so that's an average of like 16 points a week, half PPR. Uh, I mean, his volume, we harped on it preseason and it was expected preseason. It's crazy. Um, the offensive line for the Steelers is starting to shave up a little bit, so that's helping Najee definitely uh, in the run game. He's been involved in the pass game more beginning of the season when uh, Steelers were struggling more and needed to pass more. Like that one game, didn't he have like 19 or yeah, 19 targets, 14 catches. Um, but he's utilized well in both the pass and run game. That's not going to stop. Um, I mean, he's just a great player. Uh, he was my favorite running back prospects. I mean, he was the first running back taken. And I think that's – he's definitely the most talented, and he's shown it so far. Uh, I think it's more – it's closer than you than you said, Mitchell, to Najee being the one-on-one just because I value running backs so much more than wide receivers. Um, but, yeah, that's Najee at 102. All right. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I you can't make an argument. Like, I get, I'm not going to blame you for doing that, um, especially with running back being a more scarce position. It's just, you know, Jamar Chase will probably in all likelihood have four to five more fantasy relevant years than Najee Harris, you know, just based off of especially the absurd amount of volume that Najee is going to get. But, you know, I said it all along and you said it as well. He, he is he is bust proof. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just the amount of volume he's going to get. It does not matter what his yards per carry is or how efficient or inefficient he is on the ground. Just with the amount of touches he gets per game, it was impossible for him to, to bust, injuries aside. But there was no way he wasn't going to finish outside the top 10 in, in running backs, and even in his right near, right now in his rookie year. So Najee is a great pick as well. Who is Shreff going at 103? Yeah, this is uh, this is. I mean, those top two, I think, were guarantees. In my personal opinion, if I'm if the draft was happening today and I was sitting here at number three, I think it's a pretty obvious selection for me. I'm going to take Kyle Pitts at three. Um, main reason, I think, I'm a I'm a huge proponent when it comes to if you're doing like standard one QB leagues, things of that nature. I mean, being able to secure a tight end like that, who one of the first guys that I've seen who has kind of breaking through that. Um, first year tight end struggle that we we've seen the last with however many uh, recent first round tight ends that have gone. But I mean, he, it's clear he's the number one guy there in Atlanta, even, even while Ridley was still playing, it was pretty clear that Pitts was kind of overtaking him in terms of the amount of targets, things of that nature. Um, week three against the giants, he had three targets, which was his lowest, but every week outside of that, he's had at least six. And then he had that all that one stretch with, nine catches 119 yards and then seven catches 163 yards just not numbers that you're used to seeing out of first year tight ends 
Um, so I'm like, I'm putting myself in the, in the head of a team that like, maybe you have some good pieces at running back and receiver. You're not necessarily looking for that. And you're looking for someone that can come in like immediately to your fantasy team and make, make an impact. That would be Kyle Pitts. I mean, rookie year, seventh ranked tight end. And that's, that's even with his very slow start that he got off to. Um, he seems like a guy that's going to be like barring injuries or things of that nature. It seems like he's going to be pretty much a yearly top, at least top 10, probably higher than that tight end in fantasy. So I feel like that's a lock at three. I personally, when I wrote my, uh, my rankings down here, I had pits above Harris. There you go. Mm. Just because if you look at these upcoming drafts, 2022, 2023, 2023 is a very loaded running back class, you know, similar to 2018 when we had Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley. At the time, you know, Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, Darius Geist, they looked like very enticing prospects. on Johnson, Royce Freeman, very loaded running back class. And 2017, you know, with Kamara, McCaffrey, Fournette, Kareem Hunt, Al, uh, Alvin, you know, all those yeah. guys as well. 2023 looks like a, it gets on par with that class. I know it's a year and a half away and things can change. Point being, you're not going to find another Kyle Pitts in those types of classes. You can find a guy that's like Najee Harris or even better, to be honest. Um, Kyle Pitts is on pace for 1,160 receiving yards in his rookie season, which would be the record um, held by Mike Ditka currently. And he's on pace for like 72 catches, maybe more, 75, 76 catches. So and this is his rookie season, as Shref mentioned getting off to a slow start and he's still going to be putting up these ridiculous numbers by year's end. So he's truly a unicorn. And I think by year three, he's going to be, he's going to be the ultimate positional advantage. Yeah. I said top 10 tight end year after year, but realistically, I mean, with the lack of normally there's only a couple, I mean, he's probably a top five tight end for the next, for the foreseeable future, I would imagine. Exactly. I feel like now it's pretty much when it gets interesting. Those top three, now it's open. in my opinion, yeah. were pretty consensus. Yeah. Um, so we might have some differing opinions here as we go on for the next eight, uh, nine picks. But my fourth player, who I'm selecting at the 104, um, is the guy that went in our rookie draft back in June. I'm sorry, it went away. I think he went 106. He did go 106, so I'm bumming him up a couple, but I honestly would have taken him at this spot if I had to pick in the rookie track. That player is Devonta Smith. I was high on him in the pre-draft process. Um, you know, the draft capital confirmed my thoughts on it, and his play on the field has confirmed my thoughts on it as well. He's putting together a pretty solid rookie season. I know it's kind of being outshined by Jamar Chase, but you can't really compare it to that. That's kind of an historical anomaly. However, Smith looks really good. And as Shref mentioned a couple minutes ago as well, he may, you may even consider him being hampered by the quarterback play. You put him on the Chargers, you put him on the Bengals, you put him on, I don't know. Most other, other most like other that. teams. Yeah. Most other teams. I didn't want to be disrespectful. No, no, perfectly okay. You're but good. he could be putting up even better numbers. I mean, fantastic route runner huge catch radius and he's just he's fantastic and I, I i said this maybe after the rookie draft recap or maybe even before that the only 
negative I found at Devontae Smith's game, really anyone, to be honest, every all the cons were just his weight, his weight, his weight. There was nothing on the field that someone can point to about Smith that you can say that he's a bad player. He's He has really very, very limited, if any, weaknesses to his game. It's just his size. But when he's on the field, there's nothing I, I can see that that I can see that's, I guess, a, a red flag to his game. Yeah, my, my argument to the whole – yeah, like the size thing, I, I feel like at this point the argument with size ends up getting thrown out the window a lot. And, like, we've seen it with, like, quarterbacks, especially recently. I mean, you look at guys like when Russ first came in the league, he was going to be too short to, like, see over the line. Kyler was going to be too short to see over the line. Lamar Jackson was too skinny. The first time he gets hit, he's going to he's going to get ruined. They said the same thing about Smith. It, it's more like if you're a good player, you're a good player, and – those physical like those physical limitations that you might have if you're really that good they're not going to matter and so far smith has kind of fit that mold where yes his production hasn't been great but if you if you sit there like post game and if you go on twitter and see like clips of him he's open a lot more than like the the amount that he's getting the ball thrown to him and like i said that's obviously a knock on both hurts and the offense in itself but I mean, he, he's getting open. He No one's stopping him. He's been great. He's caught most of the balls that have been thrown his way. He's been doing it all right so far. He's been fun. Exactly. So he's my pick at 104. Jack is up at 105. I really don't know where he's going to go. I mean, there's a ton of different directions. It gets confusing now. But um, go ahead. Uh, I definitely – I like this pick at number five. Uh, I'm taking a – Shref, I'm sorry I'm going to steal him from you. No, it's okay. I figured you were going to. I'm going to take Javante Williams. Uh, he So this year uh, is obviously a dynasty redraft. So this year his production may not be – well, definitely is not going to be a ceiling um, as he still shares a backfield with Melvin Gordon, who's also having a very good year in himself. And the two of them are have a pretty even split um, of – I didn't actually look at touches, combining attempts and rushes, but whatever. They have a pretty even sp- split between the two. They're producing simil- similarly fantasy-wise. I think Melvin Gordon a little bit more, but regardless, Williams is just a very good player. Um, you guys saw the stat that he leads the NFL in broken tackles. <clears throat> uh, after this week, 35 missed tackles he's forced. The next closest is at 21. That's pretty significant. Pretty good. Um, I mean, I think he's just bound for success, uh, especially next year, presumably when Melvin Gordon leaves. This is last year in his contract. Uh, in his last year, Melvin Gordon's under contract with the Broncos. So uh, I'd imagine they're going to move on from him since they have Williams. Um, yeah. I think that's all I got. Yeah. Javante was, that was his strong suit. <clears throat> Probably his best attribute at North Carolina was, um, forcing missed tackles i don't remember the i don't have an exact number in front of me but he was definitely very high in the nation in doing that and it makes sense why that translates the nfl um that's something that jumps off the page right off the bat with him so yeah it's kind of uh i kind of compared it to the jk dobbins situation of last year i mean kind of a guy that was in a committee his rookie year and and unfortunately for dobbins it didn't work out with the injury so we're gonna have to wait a year on that um but you can really envision it that way. And like you said, you can't always have a 
one-year lens with this guy. You have to kind of look and look beyond. And you see an aging running back in Denver that he's going to be out the door probably in 2020, going into next season. So the opportunity is really there. So I yeah, yeah he was my he was my fifth pick and. Yeah, from the looks of it, it looks like he, he, that was Shreff's pick as well. Yeah, he yeah, you would have been my pick if he fell to six for sure. All right, who is your now? Who is your pick now? Six now that Williams. Is yeah, we we keep saying that like this is where it opens. I, I think this is actually where it opens up. I think that those top five have all been good enough to warrant like spots in your starting lineup during weeks. This is where I think it gets a little shaky because there aren't a ton of guys up here that I think a lot of people have been starting. Um, so in that case, I'm going to go with big time upside here. Not as much production this year. I'm going to take Rashad Bateman here at six. Um, there's a lot of like mid tier receivers that are kind of sitting here on my board right now. And in that case, I'd rather take the guy who I think has the, the highest upside out of any of them. Um, Bateman, what came back two weeks ago now or something like that. Um, hasn't put up like crazy three weeks ago, hasn't put up like insane stat lines, but every game he's made a couple of plays that you kind of see why he was taken where he was taken. He was, I believe what 28th or 29th in the draft this, this past year, something like that. He was late first either way. Um, and more than anything, it's just the fit in the team. I mean, in terms of the Ravens offense, you obviously have Marquise Brown has seemed to kind of figure out his role in the team now. Um, Mark Andrews is about as reliable as a tight end as you can have, but outside of those two guys, you don't really have that like go-to receiver because Brown's kind of acted as more of a deep threat, um, these last couple of years. Uh, and Jackson, I know we've talked about this before. Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. It's not, he's not as accurate as, as other QBs in the league, but he can throw the ball and having a more reliable, like everyday target, I think would help him out a lot. And I think Bateman's starting to show that. Um, so this is more of a, pick where I'm looking like two, three years down the line more than I am looking right now. And based on where the board sits, there aren't really any guys here that like change your team overnight. So give me Bateman and I'll, I'll sit with them and watch them these next couple of years. I feel good about it. You want to know something about Rashad Bateman? I'd love to. He was not on my list. Really? Oh, he was not. That's crazy. I think, you're right. I think you were right, though, because if he wasn't on my list and you took him at six, then it surely does open up here. So, yeah, I just I, I, like I'm looking at like these. I, I have a list of like probably three or four more receivers and a couple of running backs. None of them, none of them this year have done anything in my eyes that make me think that like a year from now that I would be happier with them than I would be with Bateman. I, I have that much faith in, in what Bateman's going to do these next couple of years. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of tough. I mean, I, I'm at, I have the next pick here at seven, um, and on the board here, I do have my sixth and seventh guy available, and I don't know who I'm gonna pick. Um, it's probably similar to what I had. I'm interested to hear. You know what? I'm gonna go with the current RB twenty overall overall and half PPR scoring, and that's Michael Carter. Yeah, it was one of the ones I was debating with. I loved Michael Carter beforehand in the pre-chat process, but people were debating should, you know, Trey Sermon or Michael Carter. I thought it was a clear-cut decision, in my opinion. I saw so many better trades in Michael Carter than Sermon, um, and I've been right so far. Trey Sermon is he's absolutely nowhere to be found. He doesn't even utilize at all. Um, Carter's got 
86 carries, 328 yards, three touchdowns. And he's pretty involved in the passing game as well. Last three weeks, he has seen, uh, oh my gosh, yeah, he's seen 25 targets in the last three weeks. Yeah, so he's been doing it all. He's heavily utilized. And this is on a Jets team that looks pretty bad, to be honest. I mean, there's Zach Wilson. I know Mike White has flashed, and then he got hurt. And then Johnson went in there last Thursday. Uh, Thursday night for them but this is on a team that an offense you don't really trust and if he's putting up low-end RB2 numbers and he's heavily utilized in the passing game and and I mean he's just he's he's the best running back on the team I think he's the best offensive player on the team and I don't think he could get super much worse than this so if they build up the offensive line over his the course of the next three or four years or so I think Carter can be a real nice Again, I don't know if he'll ever be a league-winning upside player where he can finish, you know, number one overall at the position or number three overall. But I think at his peak, he could maybe return top 10 to 12 running back numbers. And that's a really solid player to have on your team. And, you know, getting him at the end of the first round, you would consider that a a hit on your draft pick. So I like Michael Carter. I like his game a lot. And I think his situation can only get better, and he's doing well even right now. So that's my pick there. Yeah, he was the main guy I was debating between. I had him. He was actually my seventh ranked player. So my sixth ranked player is still there. I don't know if Jack's going to take him, but he has the eighth overall pick here. I had him at five. Okay. Um, I'm up. What you said? This is eighth. Okay. Uh, who am I taking? I have it here. Oh yeah, Uh, I'm gonna go Jalen Waddle. There we go. Uh, I think. Mitchell, do you, you probably remember more better than I do. Waddle was probably consensus wide receiver three around rookie draft uh, time over the summer, like preseason. He was my wide receiver three. I think he was also mine. He was pretty – I think he was in anywhere from three to four or five. He was three, four or five for most people. I mean, some people like Bateman at three. Some people liked um, – Elijah Moore at, th- at uh, three right. or four. So, yeah, he was, he was in that range, though. And he, he went 107 in our rookie draft, so pretty much right where he got drafted at. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just doing the numbers right now. He's on pace for 105 receptions on 150 targets. Um, wow. And his receiving yards, it's probably going to be close to 1,000. <laughs> um, he's producing. And the quarterback play has not been great. I mean, he had Brissett for a few weeks. Um, two was there. Uh, go looking forward, I guess. You can look at the uh, the wide receiver room. Will Fuller is going to be gone after this year. Has Will Fuller even, like, played? He's been hurt now. I don't know. He's played, like, one or two games. So, yeah, I was going to mention that. I mean, definitely helps that Fuller and Devontae Parker have been in and out of the lineup. But- yeah, so – Right. Fuller's going to, I guess, assume he won't be back. Um, Parker, I don't know his contract situation. Oh, he got paid, I remember now, a couple years ago. He could be out, like, I don't know, maybe within the next year or two. Um, the future in Miami, I feel like, is going to be him and G- or Waddle and Gasecki. But speaking of Gasecki, I feel like he just makes an insane catch, like, every week, no? He does like doing <laughs> Right. So, pairing them two, I like that that pairing. Um, you know, whoever is the quarterback long term, 
I mean, I'm not going to say Waddle's quarterback proof because he's like still young, but I mean, he's proven it right now in the first, what, nine weeks of his career. Um, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm sticking with Waddle. Just a very easy guy to get the ball to. Right. You can throw, throw a quick screen to him and he's going to make it really easy for your offense to move the ball. So definitely a reliable target for, um, for whoever they throw out there, whether it's Brissett or uh, Tua. Mm-hmm. Will Fuller has played two games this season, by the way. He okay. has four catches on the season. So he's really been a non-factor in the right. full uh, extent of that. Shreff is up at 1.9. Who do you take? Yeah, this is when it gets a little tough, boys. Um, now nah, we're going to roll with it. You, Mitchell, you, you mentioned him very, very briefly. I, I am going to take Elijah Moore here with this one. Um once again, very slow start to the year. Um, these last couple of weeks, you've seen them start to use him a bit more. And I do believe that that is directly in correlation with the fact that Zach Wilson hasn't been playing. Um, Mike White, you, you know, Mike White, Mike White, just <laughs> he's just so good. And he's finally getting the most out of Elijah Moore, which is nice to see. He was coming out of this draft. He was my, I don't know if I'd call him like probably the most underrated prospect in the, in the draft this past year in terms of wide receiver. Um, deep play threat last week against Indianapolis he goes seven catches 84 yards two touchdowns not too shabby um, more than anything though Mitchell you've said it about Michael Carter um, the Jets are just a bad team um, and they have Corey Davis as another receiver and I'm currently looking at the rest of their team Um that's about all they have. They have Jameson Crowder as well. So they, I mean, the, the snaps are right there for Elijah Moore to take for the next couple of years. But Denzel Mims. I, Den, yeah. Denzel Mims. He, he just got COVID actually uh, today, I believe. Um, so he seems to be a non-factor as well. So there, I mean, there's just no one there besides Moore at the moment. Um, I think obviously slow starts the year, but I think as they start to learn his tendencies and kind of where he thrives, I see him becoming kind of that, that big play threat that, could maybe you know win you a week or two if you throw them in there you get lucky, so that's my pick at nine. I liked Elijah Moore a lot in the pre-draft process. Great route runner, um, and at least the past game or two he's really put that on display. Yeah, kind of giving him more opportunities to shine. At one point ten, I'm gonna take not perhaps, but I'd say definitely the biggest riser in these rankings, and that is Elijah Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was taken in our rookie draft, I believe, at the end of the second round. I don't have the exact pick. I think it was like 210 or something like that. Pretty good. Taking him here at 110, and I'm really happy about it. I mean, he's RB27 overall in the season, and he didn't even play two games, and they've had their bye. So if you think about that, I mean, on a per-game basis, I mean, he's got to be in the teens or something like that. And this is a sixth-round yeah. pick. We always knew whoever the guy for the 49ers – whoever that was going to end up being was going to produce. I mean, he's clearly doing that. He's averaging 5.3 yards per carry on the season. He looks fantastic out there. And he is pretty much everything everyone wanted Trey Sermon to be. Um, and he's just looked fantastic there. And it's just, it's such a surprise that he kind of came out of nowhere and kind of took the job by a storm. I mean, whenever he's healthy, he's, he's been the, the main back there in that system. And again, that's kind of the, tricky part of the 49ers is you don't always know who it's going to be, but whoever it is, is going to give you very, very solid numbers. So that's Elijah Mitchell. And 
you know, the 49ers are the type of team, who knows, by this time next year, it could be somebody completely different. So that's kind of a probably will be. situation. Yeah. So, I mean, at least for this season, though, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's the, he's going to be the guy and he's going to be a really solid option at least for this year. That's just the tricky part, though. You never really know. So, um, you know, if, he, if it was a situation maybe where a team where we have a little bit more trust in the backfield and kind of who they choose to employ, then maybe he'd be going higher in this draft. But because it's the 49ers and it's kind of a, you know, ambiguous situation a lot of times, then that's kind of why maybe he fell a little bit. But he could have even gone even higher. But that's why I went with Mitchell there at uh, 1.10. Jack is up for his final pick at 1.11. Who are you going to take? Uh, I'm going to do it. Decide between two guys, but Chef, I'm going to go with the kid from Penn State. I was, Jack, you know what? I, I, I was going to take him next pick, so I'm, I'm glad you did it. <laughs> the kid from Penn State, Pat Frymuth. Um, <clears throat> Recent weeks, he's been uh, really coming on the scene. Uh, I mean, the Steelers are utilizing a tight end more than they have in recent years. Um, at the time, I was a little, as a Steelers fan, a little confused by the pick. Um, I mean, we have a lot of weapons already, and I felt, thought we needed to fill other needs. But, I mean, Firemuth has been proving he's a very, very good second-round pick um, in the NFL drafts. And wasn't he was going around second-round rookie draft, most rookie drafts, right, Mitchell? Yeah, mid-second round. I think he went around 207 in ours. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the past three weeks, he's had seven targets, seven targets, six targets. Um three touchdowns the past three weeks, another one earlier in the season. Uh, I mean, he, I, one touchdown he had, the one in Cleveland, that was a fantastic catch. He, he does have great hands, and he's good in the blocking game too, so that's going to garner more more, uh, more snaps. Um, I mean, Ebron has been hurt, but I, he's been pretty much non-existent. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I really like Frying with a lot. He's, he's having – I mean, tight ends usually take a few, like a year or two to break out. I'm not saying he's, I mean, you could say he's broken out already, but like the first half of the season, a little slow as tight ends usually are, but the last three, four weeks, he's been really, uh, you know, he's playing well. That's why you always, always, always go best player available in drafts. You never know when you're going to need a guy. And I think Friermuth was probably the best football player at that point in the draft. Um kind of thought that way when we picked Juju at the time you look at it we have Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant why do we need a receiver well Antonio Brown was gone two years later Martavis Bryant was probably gone even sooner than that so right. yeah you just never know who you're going to need and you just got to take the best player available and you'll figure it out later so he's been really awesome I think I had him 11th too as well Jack so you know I'm right there with you Trev, who is the last person in the first round in our dynasty rookie redraft? Yeah, I'm at a crossroads here because I have I have a couple QBs listed, but I feel like taking a QB here isn't as fun. Um, so I think I'm going to go, you know, J- Jack just went homer a little bit with his pick. I think I might go homer with my pick here on the last one. Um, obviously, these last couple weeks have been a bit weird in terms of his usage, but overall I think he has a very legitimate path to finding, like, uh, a role for this team. So I'm, I'm going to take Kenneth Gainwell with the last pick here. Um, if I was going to compare him to someone, he gives me 
uh, very big vibes from someone in, in our division, which is Tony Pollard. Um, and I wish they would use him as that more. I don't understand. I, I said it at the beginning of the show. I don't, I have no logical excuse as to why Jordan Howard and Boston Scott are getting more touches than Kenneth Gainwell is. But when Miles Sanders was healthy, Kenneth Gainwell was for sure their number two back. And by the time Sanders was hurt, was kind of becoming their number one in a sense. Um, so this pick definitely at the moment doesn't look good, but I think in terms of finding a role, he he's already developed his role. And even with these, even with these slow last couple of games, he's still the 34th overall running back in fantasy at the moment. So considering his last like two or three weeks have been just like obsolete. Um, the fact that he's still in the top 35 for running backs, I think is still pretty impressive. Um, and it just, if you're like a half PPR, full PPR league, I think he provides a lot of value as well. Let me go look at his game log real quick. I mean, he's averaging like three catches a game, just about um, should be averaging more the week where that week against Kansas city, he had six catches for 58 yards. So like he, he has it in him to be that kind of change of pace receiving back. So I like the way that he fits with the team. It's just a matter of if Sirianni decides to throw him back out there. All right. Fair enough. He did not make my list either. I debated between him and him and just taking Lawrence at 12, but I don't know. So allow me to recap again. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong because I did not write this down. So I'm going to try to remember off the top of my head. I should be able to help you here. 101, we went with Jamar Chase. 102, we went with Najee Harris. Yeah. Uh, 103, we go with Kyle Pitts. 104, we go Devontae Smith. 105, we go with Devontae Williams. Williams. There we go. Number six, we go with Rashad Bateman. 107, we go with Michael Carter. Mm -hmm. 108, we go with Jalen Waddell. Mm -hmm. 109, we go with Elijah Moore. Mm -hmm. 1.10, 1.10, we go with Elijah Mitchell. Mm-hmm. 111, Pat Fryermuth, and 112, Kenneth Gainwell. Mm-hmm. All right. Two guys I have on my list that did not make our first round. Um, Kadarius Tony. Thought about it. I, I would have gone. I would have gone with him. And I don't know how you guys feel about this one, but Travis Etienne. He was my 112. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking about taking him or Fryermuth. Kind of got lost in the field. I mean, right. he was pretty much a top three pick in, in most drafts, but obviously had the unfortunate injury at the beginning of the season. We have not seen him. Yeah, I I refuse to talk about him, and, and it's, it's not because of him. It's because of the Jags' uh, decision to draft him at 32 after already having James Robinson. But that's, you know, that's not ETN's fault. Oh, yeah, believe me. I'm right there with you. But it's just um, you have to think they're going to get him involved. Even after I'd hope so. Year. You can't just waste your first round pick. You have to see what you have in them, no. at least in some capacity. You say that. We'll find out. I'm I'm, I'm not too hopeful. Only yeah. other honorable mention I had written down was Rondell Moore. I thought about Rondell. He's <coughs> he's had a weird year. Yeah. Like outside the did he scored he scored two touchdowns that one game. Yeah. Like so outside of that really game, long. he like kind of hasn't done anything. Yeah, Carl kind of picking and choosing who this wide receiver two is going to be with him, between him, Kirk, AJ Green. But yeah. All right. There you have it, folks. Hopefully, you have some of those guys on your team and you have a bright future for your dynasty teams. All right. We're going to conclude today's show with Lock of the Week. Oh, boy. 
allow me to recap how we did last week. We all went one and one. So again, <laughs> we love going one and one. Okay. I was going to say for the second straight week, but that's not true because I went two and zero in week eight, but in week nine, we all go one and one. I went with the chargers minus two. They covered against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I also went with, which was incorrect Texans plus six and a half. I had some faith in Tyrod Taylor. He let me down. No more. He threw three interceptions, <laughs> which was very uncharacteristic of him. And not very nice of him to do that. And it allowed me to go one and one. Jack also went with the Chargers, uh, similar to myself. They covered, and he went with the Steelers to cover the minus six. And they did not do that. We squeaked out, squeaked out a win at the very end and only won by two. So, we had that cover... <sighs> We had that cover the whole it's game. Tough. It, it's frustrating. Like, they just spiral in the fourth quarter, and, and yeah, whatever. Just glad this, we won, but yeah. Exactly. Shref went one and one as well. He went with the Cardinals minus one and a half. I did not have much faith in this one. Oh, that was no Kyler Murray. I was trying to figure out what my other one was. No, I did not have much faith with no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins. But nonetheless, James Conner Oh. And the Yoba Goyos just absolutely ran rampant. Yeah, well, we we actually haven't mentioned that the whole the whole show. How how I just I just stomped on Mitchell this week in our dynasty league. It was like one forty three to like eighty. What'd you have? What'd you end with? Not, I don't even know. No, I I had one hundred five. I had Deontay. Oh right, yeah, you had the two guys on Monday night, but yes, yeah, still a forty point victory. Exactly. So. Cardinals win uh, handedly, and Treff gets that point there. But he foolishly – well, I, I – I don't know. I'm not going to say foolishly just because Mike can I, White – Can I give I, you the reason why I lost that bet? So, well, well, yeah, that, that, that obviously hurts. But also, um, uh, I don't know I don't know if you know of this man, Mitchell. There's this guy on TikTok. Uh, his name is, uh, I believe, Book It With Trent. Oh, he knows him. Yeah, well, we, we, yeah. Yeah, so I, so I found out before the Thursday night game, I, I, I look on his TikTok and he, and he took the Jets to cover. And as soon as that happened, I was like, eh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he'll be right tonight. Nope. Mike White gets hurt. It all did. It was all bad. I should have known better. He's the fake God. There's a reason why. I did. Yeah, I, I, I learned my lesson. I did. Well, we did make the the lock of the week fix before he made that. So true. There wasn't much I could do about it, but it, it it was just a real shame to to see that pop up on my feed that night. Exactly. Well, that brings our record to the season. At I'm still in first at eight and six, but Jack and Shrep are right behind me, tied for second at seven six and one. So a half a game separates all three of us. We're coming. Extremely tight race, and. I had another stat before we give our picks for week 10. Um, I kind of looked it over this week, but I just thought it was interesting. This is, you know, no bearing on what we're doing here, but I just thought it was a fun stat to give. When we pick favorites, any guess what our record is? I feel like our record might be worse for favorites than it is with underdogs. Not quite, but... So we, we've picked, so there's seven weeks total. We give six picks a week. So that's yep. 42 picks total that we've done so far. We've picked a favorite, 29 of those 42 picks. So most okay. of the time we pick favorites. We're 16, 11, and two when we give favorites. Okay. When we pick underdogs, which have been 13 times, we're six and seven. So okay. slightly below average when we pick underdogs. I just thought it was interesting, you know, considering like, like 
how often we pick favorites, how often we yeah. pick underdogs, and our success rate behind that. Yeah. Some advanced stats for the boys. Exactly. Next-gen uh, lock of the week stats. Mm-hmm. I don't know whose turn it is to go first. Any volunteers? I feel like I haven't gone first in a while. Take it, Trev. Nah, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I, I, have, I, I have four sitting here that I've been debating between. But Try to, try no, to remember for next week, and then we won't have you go first next week. No, yeah. Um, there, there's one that I'm pretty sure of, so I'm going to take this one right off the bat. Um, I, I've decided that when it comes to my NFL bets, I'm going to start focus. I, I've been doing this a couple with a couple different teams, but um, betting against certain teams just because I think they stink. Um, so that leads me to my first pick, which is going to be Rams minus four versus the Niners. Um, the Niners stink. Uh, I, I, I read a, I read a real nice article today about Kyle Shanahan and it was talking about the difference between being a good coach and being good at uh, player development. Um, Kyle Shanahan obviously runs a, a very good offense and it's an offense that's kind of bled into the rest of the NFL currently. Um, but in terms of player development, I mean, just off the top of my head, you have Trey Sermon who just doesn't play. You have Brandon Ayuk, who just doesn't play. You have Trey Lance, who isn't playing. Um, they, they make all these picks, and then Shanahan has such a short leash with all of them that they just become – they just wash away on the bench. So that it's it's bad bad player development mixed with just a lack of talent on the roster, I'd say, as a whole. Um, I think the Rams win this game pretty handily, especially coming off a loss to Tennessee. I think they're going to come out a little angrier. Um, divisional game, I think Rams – blow them out four points i don't think is nearly enough hey i mean i'm right there with you i'm all for the kyle shanahan slander yeah um, he has not lived up to what his reputation is in my opinion we've said it a couple different times over the past month or so i'll go next and okay. uh no need to be too redundant in my comments i got the same one that's my first one there we go uh, <clears throat> rams minus three and a half on DraftKings. Do we, um, uh, wait, should we, should we keep it? Should I go three and a half then just yes. to keep it even? Okay. Yeah. You got, got three it. and a half. Okay. Um, yeah. Nothing else really to add other than then get right game for the, the Rams coming off their Monday night loss against the Titans. Um, yeah. Rams are just a lot better team than the 49ers and it's not yep. that many points. That's all I got. Yep. Guess what? Do it. Three for three. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So we're pulling up uh, week three, back when we all picked the Cardinals for our very first lock of the week pick. Right. The Rams right. are three and a half point uh, favorites on the road uh, going to San Francisco. We've got a couple stats here to uh, back up my prediction. Oh, let's go. Make us feel better, Mitchell. So again, this is why I love pulling these trends because you can literally find a stat about anything and make it support your claim. Yep. So that's what I'm going with here. This is kind of, <laughs> Cherry pick stats, but we're sure. going to go with it anyway. Since 2017, and that's the year Sean McVay took over for the Los Angeles Rams, they are 16, 10, and 2 against the spread in divisional games. That's third best in the league. There you go. Also, like it. Since, since 2017, the year Sean McVay took over as head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, when they are favorites, the Rams are fifth best, fifth best at covering in the league. So there you go. We got some. We got some uh, data to back up our uh, claims here. So, all right, we're all on the Rams. What are the What are the chances that we go? If we get all both of our picks are the same for all of us, that would be wild. And I hope that doesn't happen because it'd be a complete waste. I think we would have to do a spontaneous third pick. We'd have we, we'd have to throw in a third pick. I think. 
But anyway, uh, Shref, who is your uh, second uh, pick for Lock of the Week? I have a, uh, I have a bit of a favorite, and I have a huge underdog. Huh. Oh, boy. Should I have some fun? Yeah. Let's have a little fun. Let's have some fun. Um, I'm, I'm going to preface this. Is there, is there a certain AFC East quarterback who, who's supposed to play this week? Is, is he healthy yes. again? Yeah. He's going to play. Okay. All right, cool. Give me the Jets plus 13 against the Bills. Back-to-back weeks. Give them to me. Give them to me. Um, I actually, Jets weeks. I, I'd have to go find, I believe the Jets are at home. I, when I, when I saw this game pop up, I saw this, uh, this TikTok like a week or two ago and I, I forget the exact record, but it was like, it, they were, they were, it was like cut. It was working like two thirds of the time where it was uh, divisional matchups and the home team to, to, to cover the spread. They were like, they were like winning like two out of every three of those games pretty much. Um, I'd have to find the exact TikTok. I can show it to you guys afterwards once I find it, but give me Mike White. I, I, I said it last week and I got, and I got screwed over by, by book it with Trent and we're not going to talk about that, but I saw what I saw out of the Bills last week. I trust Robert Saleh to see what what the Jags did well against that Bills offense, and I think he can replicate it. The one thing that I kept seeing was that this was one of the first times that Allen was seeing double safety coverage uh, back there in the secondary, which I guess is not something that defenses normally do against them. But So I'm hoping Saleh is taking note of that and doing that. But overall, the, the bottom line is Mike White. I love the passion. I love the back-to-back jet selections. I, I, um, it, it, I we got to have some fun, boys, and especially with especially with how close that these standings are, we got to we got to shake it up a little bit. I do. Well, guess wanna, what? Sorry, hold on, Jack. I do want to confirm though that don't you do are, it, Jack? We are using DraftKings. That they what are, are they at? Plus, they're plus eleven and a half. Is that still okay with you or no? I don't know if that changes things. I know it's a point and a half difference. Maybe they saw the Mike White news and they bumped it up. Give me 11 and a half. I'm fine with it. He's locking it in. There I'm we locking go. it in. Let's have some fun, boys. We're having extra fun. I'm taking Bills minus 11 and a half. Oh, no. Oh, we have I a face it. off. I love it. <laughs> hey, same narrative as the Rams. It's a get right game for the Bills nah, against the bad team in the nah. Jets. Jack, this is Mike White we're talking about. Give me the Bills by 12 or more points. We're not talking about Jimmy G or Stafford. We're talking about Mike White. We're talking about MVP candidate Josh Allen and probably the best team in the AFC. Mike White. They're going to get right after that, after that bad loss to the Jags. Um, I should have had more data to back this up. I bet McDermott's great off losses. Check, Give me the bills. A, check, this one might have to be a cake bet. Yeah. Except What's they that? don't have cakes anymore. Ah, never mind then. Well, I, we can order a cake. Yeah, we should. <laughs> All right. Used to, me and Shreff used to bet uh, a cake from this. On just like <laughs> random random sports things normally. Yeah. And we'd actually get like these good cakes from people are still day. People are currently still owed cakes, if I'm not mistaken. I'm owed like two. There are cakes outstanding at the moment. Hmm. But I got to go. Make my pick and leaving. Got it. Bye, Jack. All right, Jack. You're gonna miss. You're gonna miss the best part of the show. I have all my numbers. Yeah, I'm ready. I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I'll just listen, listen back. I'll listen yeah. back. I got. Yeah. This is this is being recorded for public consumption. I can listen to whenever I want. Yeah. I'll be your I'll be your wall to sound off of here. You're good. All right. See you guys. Bye, Jack. See you. All right. So Jack heads off. Um, Thank God he's gone. 
Yeah, exactly. Now we can actually get to the real show. Yeah. So that that that, that was that was thrilling. That was um, electric. That was. I'm happy so, you did that. Actually, is that? Yeah. I'm assuming that that's definitely the first time that we that we have people going head to head on picks. I think uh, it that's is. not true. You and Jack in week. Oh, did we face it? off with something else? What did we yeah, face it off? Would, week seven, you did Bengals. Oh plus six and a half yeah, he did. Minus six and a half. Yeah, he the did. Out. Yeah. So there you go. Last time that happened, Treff. Well, and actually, now that so. I think about it too, weren't weren't the the Bengals were the Bengals were underdogs in that game, correct? Yeah, they were plus six and a half. Oh, and I like that. I like that. There you go. All right. So I did say uh, I did tease that I do have a lot of uh, information here. So let me pull that back up. So I found a trend. Every, everyone, everyone, settle in. Fasten your seatbelt. I'm ready. I found a trend that is better than Teddy Bridgewater's record. That, that can't be possible. That's how much I like it. I, I it, again, I saw this on TikTok. Here, here's here's the here's the play. Teams that don't cover the spread the week before, when they play teams that did cover the spread the week before, the team that didn't cover the spread the prior week is 39-14-2 against the spread. Wow. There were five teams this past week that this rule applies to. Okay. Those five teams are the Ravens, Cowboys, Panthers, Saints, and you'll like this one, the Eagles. Are you wait? <laughs> Are you following me? Well, I am, but depending on, on what your pick is here, I'm uh, I'm intrigued. So yeah, the Rams weren't one of them. I I just I just um yeah. I just really like that one on its own. Sure. The pick. So I saw I I gathered those five teams before, and I I, I was immediately drawn to one. And this also breaks another one of my rules, though. Going mm -hmm. with this one. My my rule is don't pick the away team on Thursday night football, but I'm doing it anyway. Ah. I'm picking the Ravens minus seven and a half. I think I mean they're just they're a better team than the Dolphins, clearly. I mean, yes. I mean, it's, the eye test just shows you that this feels like a blowout to me. In again, here's another just random stat as well. Since 2019, Lamar's two and a half years as the starter for the Ravens. They're nine and six as away favorites, which is sixth best in the league. But I'm really just basing this off of the, the, the stat I gave just a minute ago. 39-14-2. and two. Teams that didn't cover the week prior, when they play a team that did cover, that team that didn't cover is that record against the when you, um Insane. When you said the Eagles is one of your teams, I thought you were about to take the Eagles to cover the spread against the Broncos. I thought you were betting against Teddy. Oh, well, that would be sacrilegious. I, I, that, I, I was worried for a second. Yeah. So, yeah, not quite. But going with the Ravens here, and I, I, if you really want, I think this is a really safe play here. But I'm going to tell you this: I, I for years I didn't really know what a teaser was. You're familiar with the teaser, right? I am. Didn't really know what that was, but now I finally get it. Um, and if anyone's not familiar with that is, I'll try to explain it as I've just learned it myself. But you build a parlay, and then a teaser. It it moves the point line the spread in a direction for the team that you're betting for, essentially. So for example, if you did Ravens minus seven and a half, Rams minus three and a half, and Jets plus 11 and a half, 
If you do a six-point teaser, that means the Ravens are now minus one and a half, the Rams are now plus two and a half, and the Jets are plus uh, plus seventeen and a half. That's what that would mean. So it's it decreases your odds, um, but it's safer. It's kind of just like adjusting the spreads in one direction for all your games in the parlay. Yeah. So I think if you do a teaser with those five teams I just said, Ravens, Cowboys, Panthers, Eagles, and Saints, I think you're looking at like probably plus 400, something like that. And I think that's, you know. Feels good about that, yeah. I feel really, really good about that. And I'm not just saying that. I, I did, I put, I put a little $5 teaser on boy. Responsibly, of course. Exactly. So there you have it. That's that's my play, and I feel really confident with Ravens minus seven. And I mean, that's right up there with my my lock of the year, maybe. I Uh-oh. mean, I don't want to get too ambitious, but I'm trying ambitious. to think of the, the other ones I was super confident in. I think what was I super confident? In? I was really you had a lock of the century the other week. Which one was it? Well, Broncos minus t- uh, 10 when they play the Jets. That was my oh, yeah. really hyped up Teddy Bridgewater spiel. <laughs> that was probably like my most confident one of the season. And I'm trying to think of another one that I was really confident. I mean, pretty much whenever I pick the Broncos, I'm really hyped yeah. up. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, that's that's our picks this week. We will see how we do. We all get the Rams. So we're either going to, you know, we're all going to get – zero or one for that but well that that um, actually all uh i mean if if that doesn't hit that means that one of us is going is going oh and two yeah i mean one of you or jack is correct yes yeah that's so true. there could be if a, a, there could be a big shake up this week we'll see i don't know i love it i love it yeah well, a lot of opportunity to uh to make up some ground here um all right. So that's our show, folks. Thank you for listening. Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hogline Podcast. Follow us on TikTok. TikTok. Whoa, I almost said Hello. an appropriate word there. Uh, <laughs> TikTok <laughs> at Hogline Podcast. And as I mentioned as well, um, send us the suge- suggestions to uh, have a punishment for the loser of lock of the week for this season long. So definitely open for, um, for ideas there. And thank you for listening, folks. Thanks, thanks, Shreff. Thanks for hopping on as always. Thank you. And um, good luck, to everyone. In fantasy this week. I mean, it's play, play playoff push. Time. We're getting down to it. Now. We're getting down weeks, to it. Four or five weeks left, so gotta make some last minute trades before the trade deadline, and kind of go for the go for the championship. Any final remarks? I'm chilling. All right, everyone. We'll catch you next time. And Jeff, what's your catchphrase? Sign us off. Peace, love, and prosperity.